It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now! I'm starving! On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby! It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast presented by DraftKings. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL player, five teams, seven years. Those of you that catch us on YouTube, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL can see some of the helmets and the game balls. You can also check out all of our other shows. And even if you just want to check out the highlight clips, the best of the best from those other shows, go head over to the aforementioned YouTube page. You can always hit me up on social at Ross Tucker NFL or the podcast network at Ross Tucker Pod. I am downright giddy and excited for today's show. Last week, I loved hearing where Joe Dolan, the number one ranked fantasy analyst, according to Fantasy Pros, over the last five years, I love hearing where he has these rookies ranked, whether it was Trey Lance or Justin Fields or Kyle Pitts, as we talked about the quarterbacks and the tight ends. Probably, Joe, Going to have to do two weeks of wide receivers because there's going to be a lot of wide receivers in your rankings. I will say, I thought it was interesting, Joe. There were some people on social media, and Joe's at FG underscore Dolan, the fantasy gangster. There's some people that really disagree with you, which I thought was interesting because some people thought Lance should be higher, and other people said there's no way he's above golf. So I – I guess if you got people criticizing you both ways, that you're probably in a good spot. Well, Ross, uh, when when it comes to those rookie quarterbacks, and obviously we're talking running backs today, so I don't want to get into that too much, but uh, I don't mind the disagreement at all. Um, The fact of the matter is, and and I think I said it uh, on the podcast last week, if if Trey Lance starts 15 games, that ranking is going to look stupid low. If Trey Lance starts three games, it's going to look stupid high. So you have to try to balance, uh, in, get in between, uh, and, and see see what kind of risk you're taking on if you're drafting in May, which is what we're doing right now. We're doing best ball drafts. This is this is where these guys are going. And you know, I rank Justin Fields like six spots higher than Trey Lance, and the reason is I think Jimmy Garoppolo is more likely to hold off Trey Lance for a time than I think Andy Dalton is to hold off Justin Fields. That's not a slight against Trey Lance. Obviously, the 49ers liked him. That's why they drafted him at number three overall. And I told, I, I, like, I flat out told you, if they were to come out and say, John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan, Trey Lance is our starter week one, he vaults up the rankings. It, it's just a matter of measuring that risk and trying to mitigate it as we, in a very uncertain time right now in May. It's a really good point. Nobody knows. And so to fault you for your ranking is illogical unless anyone knows exactly how many games those two young men are going to play. Yeah, I mean, that's all there is to it. You know, yeah, now if you said they're going to play six, 17 games, both of them, and then people disagree with your rankings, that's fine. You know, you can agree to disagree. But right now, what are you really disagreeing with would be my point. You should check out Joe, by the way. Not only at FG underscore Dolan, the fantasy gangsta, but over at fantasypoints.com. If you listened to today's Ross Tucker football podcast with Greg Cosell telling you why you should just 
draft Tebow in the first round of all your <laughs> fantasy drafts? Not what he said, by the way. You know that his draft profiles are over at fantasypoints.com. Just make sure you use the code 21FEAST. And actually, several of you have done this. Sometimes I'll even forward it to Joe Dolan. But we've gotten several people last few weeks that have signed up at fantasypoints.com using the code 21FEAST, which is awesome. All right, let's dive into the running backs, Joe. Um, it's important on a lot of different levels. And we'll start with Najee Harris. Yeah. Really curious. Uh, you know, I feel like there are years where people sort of overvalue the rookies, Joe. They get a little bit too excited about the rookie fits. Mm -hmm. And then there's people who are like, well, uh, the, the, you're always going to get somebody when you rank a rookie high, um, as I did with Clyde Edwards-Alaire last year, and it didn't work out all that great. Or, or as I did with Saquon Barkley a couple years ago, and it did work out great. You're always going to get somebody who's going to tell you, oh, he's a rookie, I'm not drafting him. You know, it, that that's meaningless that's meaningless criticism to me. I mean, look at last year. Was Edwards Alaire great? No. But Jonathan Taylor was a league winner. Jonathan Taylor got off to a slow start, ended up winning people leagues. Cam Akers got off to a slow start, ended up winning people leagues. And you have to keep in mind, these guys didn't have an offseason. So when you measure when you measure it in that regard, um, I, I actually think it was a good year for rookie running backs last year. I'm not sure it's going to be that good a year this year. That being said, I love Clyde Edwards-Alaire last year. I'll take an L on it. I was drafting him in the late first, kind of early to mid-second round, wherever he fell. I'll be drafting him again this year at his depressed price. That's a, that's a conversation for another day. But as good as I felt about Clyde Edwards-Alaire last year, I had to acknowledge there were some landmines. Damian Williams opted out, okay? That one, that one I thought really cleared the path for him. It wasn't necessarily necessarily the case. Daryl Williams comes along. They sign Le'Veon Bell. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to navigate all of those, and he had a mediocre rookie season. No such landmines exist for Najee Harris. If you want to draft Najee Harris in redraft, you have to, you're going to have to use a top 15 or 16 pick. It is going to be the case by the time the summer winds, winds down. There, I, there were some best ball tens where he was going in the third round. Um, his ADP was a little bit depressed because of, uh, all the, um, because of all the drafts that were done before the NFL draft. It's not the case anymore. Najee Harris will be in that high second round, late first round kind of range. And when you look at the situation, you, 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 it makes sense. Yes, the offensive line is a problem. But, I mean, if, if there is a clear path to 300 touches for a rookie running back, it belongs to Najee Harris. Benny Snell and Anthony McFarland aren't going to be stealing 50% of the snaps in that backfield. It's not going to happen. The Steelers wanted a bell cow. They got a bell cow. Najee Harris is a better receiver than people think he is. I think he's going to average 15 to 18 carries per game. He's going to get three or four targets per game. He is going to produce at a very high level because volume is king when it comes to running backs. Currently, Najee Harris is my RB11. Um, that and, and frankly, I think you can argue that that is low. I have him right behind Cam Akers and DeAndre Swift and you know, the Swift thing with, with Dan Campbell and the eating kneecaps and signing Jamal Williams, there are landmines for DeAndre Swift that don't exist for Najee Harris. I think you can make an easy argument that he's a top 10 running back for fantasy, and that you can make an easy argument that he's a first-round pick for fantasy. 
Yeah, I mean, I I tend to agree with you. Plus, you know, you know, the thing I would add to that is Roethlisberger looks to me like he likes throwing it short now. Like he likes the check down. He likes getting rid of the rock, which I think bodes well for Harris as well. I don't picture Big Ben, you know, chucking it deep all the time, Joe. I think yeah, he I wants to hit these guys underneath. Okay, next up um, is I'm assuming you got Najee Harris running back 11. I'm assuming – oh, actually, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Who do you have as your next highest rookie running back rating? Is it ETN? Is it Javante Williams in Denver? Or is it even Michael Carter with the Jets? Uh, ETN and Javante Williams are back-to-back 25 and 26. Um ETN, the, the thing about ETN that's tough is Urban Meyer's a complete wild card. And, and you know, I think there's a lot of people who are going to argue that Urban Meyer isn't very sharp because he just signed Tim Tebow. And I, I don't I You can't believe that he got the opportunity, but whatever. I mean, it, we'll, we'll, let, we'll let the ESPN hot take artists really break that one down. But um, Urban Meyer drafts ETN. Um, really bizarre comment. Uh, oh my God, it broke my heart that Kadarius Tony wasn't there. Yeah, Travis Etienne's sitting there. Yeah, thanks, coach. Like, uh, all what right. A it- dumb, what a dumb thing to say. Like, <laughs> what a great example of a guy, of an inexperienced guy mm-hmm. who doesn't understand. Like, you don't say that. There's no upside to saying that. All you do is talk about how thrilled you are about the guy you got. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're, you're already telling Travis Etienne that he wasn't your first choice um, publicly saying that. And then the, the interesting part about that is that Urban Meyer comes out and says, Oh, we think he's our third down back. I don't, I don't buy that by the way. Um, but you do have to keep in mind, Urban Meyer is new to this urban. This is, you know, I know the Pittsburgh Steelers aren't drafting Najee Harris in the first round to give him 25% of the snaps and only play him on, on passing downs. Why do I know that? A, number one, because Kevin Colbert wouldn't draft a running back in the first round if he didn't plan on running him into the ground. And number two, Mike Tomlin has an extensive history of riding bell cow running backs, okay? So that's an easy projection for Najee Harris. Urban Meyer's a wild card here. So he comes out and says, A, number one, uh, I didn't really want Travis Etienne with this pick. Uh, I wanted Kadarius Tony. Number two, he says, oh, uh, he's going to be our third down back. Number three, what does wanting Kadarius Tony at that pick suggest? Did did he want kind of a gadgety player who's going to run jet sweeps and fly sweeps and, you know, um, be able to put him in the backfield, flex him outside, use him as an offensive weapon? Is that his plan with Travis Etienne? Was that his plan to say, all right, we have this thousand yard back in James Robinson. We have my old college running back, Carlos Hyde, because when obviously just like Chip Kelly, when these guys come into the NFL, they've got to bring all their old toys from college. Um, and we're going to use those two as our main running backs. But Travis Etienne, I think he's going to be, you know, kind of a, a gadgety type of player. So he is a really difficult projection. Now, if I'm using history, you also look at this. Trent balky has been in the league. You draft a running back in the first round. Your plan has to be to use him. So that's why I didn't drop Travis Etienne out of the low-end RB2, high-end RB3 range. But I do think there is a tough projection to be made here for Etienne. Um, I think he could catch 50 passes, but how many carries is he going to get? That's a valid question, Ross. Um, And I think Javante Williams is an easier projection. 
I think it's entirely possible Javante Williams' rookie season looks a lot like uh, Cam Akers' rookie season or Jonathan Taylor's rookie season. When they get off to a little bit of a slow start, uh, Melvin Gordon's there. He's the veteran running back. He can catch the ball, so you know he's going to play on third downs. But I could see Javante Williams really taking over by midseason. Um Javante Williams, to me, is a much more appealing best ball pick at this stage because, uh, obviously, with best ball, you could sit on your roster, and it, when he breaks out midway through the season, he ends up in your lineup. In redraft, it's possible that you're sitting on Javante Williams and he only has a part-time role for the first six to eight weeks of the season. That could be a little bit annoying. But also keep this in mind. There's one extra game this season. So most fantasy leagues, I would venture to guess, um, I'm not 100% sure of this, but I think most fantasy leagues are going to extend to week 17 this year as opposed to ending in week 16. With that one extra game, rookies have one more opportunity if they get off to a slow start to contribute to your fantasy team. So some of those guys like a Javante Williams with whom it might take some time for him to supplant Melvin Gordon, it could it could uh, end up paying off down the road uh, with, with a little bit more alacrity than, uh, than some rookies in the past. Boy, that's interesting, Joe. I hadn't thought of that. Look, we're, we're, we're always looking for a small, tiny edge, and that's a small, tiny edge potentially. Steve Fezzik talks about it on the Even Money podcast all the time. I do think your Williams thought is interesting because, man, you sit here and you think, it feels like they like Melvin Gordon to think that they'll, that Javante Williams will become the Cam Akers or the Jonathan Taylor of the Broncos. Man, that feels like Gordon will be totally pushed aside because that's kind of what happened with the Rams and the Colts. Well, and, 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 and like- by the way, part of that was because Marlon Mack got hurt. Well, and again, you know, that's that's just something that you couldn't project, you couldn't predict. Um, Melvin Gordon, by the way, the DUI charges got dropped, but I guess he could still face NFL discipline. So keep that in mind when it comes to Melvin Gordon, which could give Javante Williams a head up at the beginning of the season. But also, the Broncos are not beholden to Melvin Gordon, but you'd be on this season. So I think Javante Williams is somebody who's going to have a role uh, uh, later on in, in the season, if not a significant one. What about Michael Carter mm-hmm. um, for the Jets? I'm very curious about this one because it feels like there's a pretty good path there for him. Yeah, and it's because they have a bunch of they have a bunch of guys in that backfield. Um, who I, I mean, I guess if you were to project today, they signed Tevin Coleman, and I would think Tevin Coleman is going to. I guess open camp as their starting running back uh, because he's familiar with the LaFleur system from their time together in San Francisco. But Tevin Coleman's been held together by duct tape for the last three years. So uh, I don't think you expect Tevin Coleman's going to last very long. LaMichael Pirine is kind of a plotter. He's not a great fit in that offense. Ty Johnson's interesting, but again, not somebody that that team is beholden to. Um, so Michael Carter, even though he was a fourth round pick, and that's the thing that makes him difficult to project because right now I have him as an RB three. I have him in the thirties at running back. And that's difficult to do for a fourth round pick because that as, as much as a fourth round pick can contribute for fantasy, that is a day three pick. So you look at the opportunity and you say, oh my goodness, like, there is this great chance that that Michael Carter emerges here, but he's still a day three pick. Now, the Jets are saying all the right things about him. Oh, my God, I can't believe he was there. Um, they thought he was a day two pick all the way. They're picking at the top of round four, and they're giddy 
on Friday night heading into Saturday knowing that they're going to have a shot to draft Michael Carter. So they're all excited. They're like, I can't believe he's there. Um, and, and so maybe the Jets had a day two grade on him. And if the Jets drafted him in day two, we'd be like, to the moon, baby. Like, let's go, Michael Carter. Um, I, the opportunity is here for Michael Carter. Like, just imagine if Travis Etienne, and we just talked about, landed in with the Jets. I mean, he'd be, he'd be in competition with Najee Harris for R, the rookie RB1 if he landed in that spot. This is a great spot for Michael Carter. The only thing it's lacking is draft capital. But also keep in mind, this is a guy who was a great receiver in college. Um, I think I think Greg Cosell said he kind of reminded him of Clyde Edwards-Alaire coming out of LSU with his body type and his skill set. And as as our guy Scott Barrett has has produced the research, a target is worth two and a half times as much as a carry for running backs in PPR. Michael Carter is going to catch passes out of the backfield. There is a lot to like about him. The only thing that he is lacking is that draft capital, which is which is actually extremely predictive for running backs. Draft capital is very predictive uh, because teams give those guys opportunities. But Michael Carter should have a chance to come in in training camp, impress right away, and earn himself a big-time role right from the outset. Yeah, I mean, he's got to be in about as good of a, a a spot for a fourth-round rookie running back I think I've ever seen. I mean, it's, it's really good. It's pretty unbelievable. Um, what about a couple of former Oklahoma Sooner running backs? Trey Sermon went in the third round of the Niners, who seemingly have like 10 running backs, Joe. Oh, and Ramondre Stevenson went in the fourth round of the Patriots. I thought it was interesting. Uh, Emery Hunt on the College Draft podcast talked about Stevenson and compared him to LeGarrette Blunt, big man with, yeah. with nice feet. Uh, where do you have either one of those guys ranked notably? Um, uh, Sermon is RB forty five uh, only because like you love that situation, right, Ross? I mean that San Francisco running offense, and they have taken guys from the dumpster heap, and I don't mean that as an insult to Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson, but just like they've taken guys from late rounds and undrafted ranks, and these guys have produced at Pro Bowl kind of levels. Jeff Wilson was a league winner last year, but that also uh, poses a problem for Trey Sermon because those guys are still there. Jeff Wilson is still there. Uh, Raheem Mostert is still there with San Francisco. They also drafted Elijah Mitchell, I believe, in the sixth round, who's a really interesting rookie. Um, they signed Wayne Gallman this offseason. So there is a lot, a lot of, of roadblocks here for Trey Sermon. But if you just look at the fact that he's a third-round pick, which is very good draft capital for a running back, and he's in that rushing offense with the chance that Trey, uh, uh, Trey Lance takes over at some point as the quarterback and really opens up that run game, there is a lot to like about Trey Sermon. The problem is you might be waiting a long time for Trey Sermon to get onto the field. So that that's my issue with him, but the upside is all there. It's a great landing spot from an offensive standpoint. It's just not a great landing spot from a personnel standpoint because he has got to leapfrog a lot of guys in that backfield to get on the field. So just keep that in mind. When it comes to Ramondre Stevenson, we don't even have him projected um, in our top 80 running backs uh, at, at fantasypoints.com. By the way, our projections are up this week, Ross. Nice. You might be interested uh, in that. Uh, he's not projected in our top 80 running backs. And the reason being, uh, look, I mean, the Patriots are a team that two years ago drafted Damian Harris in the third round and then just basically redshirted him. Like, 
I, I thought that was incredible that they would take a running back in the third round and just not even play him. Uh, but they did that. So the, you have the landmines here for Ramondre Stevenson as well. Uh, Sony Michelle's still there. Harris is still there. Harris had a really underrated season last year. It's just their offense was so freaking bad that um, he, they didn't really do much for fantasy because Cam Newton stole all the rushing touchdowns. Uh, James White is still there out of the backfield. So the way I look at it right now, Ramondre Stevenson's number four on the depth chart entering the season. And Brandon Bolden's still there, and he's a, he's a special teams guy. So Ramondre Stevenson might not even be, even be active on game days at the start of the season. But if Michelle, who's had an extensive injury history, were to go down, then you start looking at him as a potential waiver wire guy down the line. And if you're doing a, a, a match, Massive um, uh, best ball draft, or obviously a dynasty draft. There's a lot to like about Ramondre Stevenson in with that team. You just have to understand. I mean, he might not even touch the ball this year. So that there's there's that problem with projecting him for dynasty vis a vis projecting him for season long. So what about? There's two more guys I wanted to ask you about because I'm I'm wondering if they're if they're ranked for you or not, mm-hmm. and that is Kenny Gainwell who I am still surprised didn't go until the fifth round to the Philadelphia Eagles, but they did get on Johnson this week as well. So, so I'm curious if Gainwell cracked your top 80. And then Chuba Hubbard from Oklahoma State going to Carolina in the fourth round, Joe. Well, uh, Chuba Hubbard, let's start there because um, the, the only thing, the only value for him would be he's the handcuff for Christian McCaffrey. And you presume that he's going to be, he's going to be the top guy behind Christian McCaffrey. Remember they lost Mike Davis, who was a huge winner, by the way, of, um, of the NFL draft with Atlanta not taking a running back. But the only other guys behind Christian McCaffrey there that you might have heard of are Trenton Cannon. Um, and Reggie Bonifon. And uh, I think they have Rodney Smith there as well, Rod Smith, but there's really not a whole lot behind Christian McCaffrey. So Chuba Hubbard with that fourth round draft capital, he's a handcuff there. He's not going to get on the field otherwise, because you know, I mean, Christian McCaffrey is going to play 75, 80, 90% of the snaps. But other than that, um, he could contribute if Christian McCaffrey goes down again. When it comes to Kenny Gainwell, I love the pick for Philadelphia. I did not like the pick for fantasy because this was somebody who we were hoping would land in a spot like a Miami or an Atlanta or even the Jets who ended up taking Michael Carter and having a spot where he could get on the field and contribute immediately. I think Philly's going to use him right away, but the only the problem for fantasy is it's going to take targets away from Miles Sanders, um, and Kenny Gainwell is probably not going to get enough touches to have a significant fantasy role himself. Gainwell is our RB58 because of that receiving ability. Um, but then the Carrion Johnson landmine. Carrion uh, Johnson, now, first and foremost, the Eagles picked him up off of waivers. He's not even a guarantee to make the team. So I don't want to freak out too much. But what does Carrion Johnson do well? He blocks and he can catch the ball. He's a plotter. Um, but it's one of those things where, like, third and short, he could be in the game for Philadelphia, which hurts both Miles Sanders and Kenny Gainwell. Right now, I mean, Miles Sanders was a big loser of the last week, only because, first and foremost, he's a good receiver, but he had a bad year in that department last year. So you have to wonder, all right, is is Nick Sirianni going to come in here and say, Miles Sanders is a good receiver, but I view Kenny Gainwell as a Naeem Hines kind of guy. He already made that comparison. That could be a significant role that takes away from Miles Sanders. And, you know, down the line, maybe Kenny Gainwell – 
can contribute independent of Miles Sanders, and they can both contribute independent of each other. We saw that in Indy last year with Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines. I just don't expect that that's going to happen in week one. All right, Joe. So we've got Jamar Jefferson, Larry Roundtree, Khalil Herbert, Kylan Hill, Chris Evans, uh, Kene Nguangu, Jake Funk. These are the other rookie running backs that got drafted. Are any of them in the top 80? I'm guessing no. Well, Jake Funk is number one on my Spoonerism post-draft projections because his Spoonerism is fantastic, Ross. You know what a Spoonerism is, right? No. Your, like, your Spoonerism is Toss Rucker. Oh. Well, Jake Funk's right, right. is fake junk. he could be a he could be a manscaped uh he could he could be a manscaped kind of guy he's got a great spoonerism um he's a super freak athlete but uh there again that's that's somebody who in that backfield i think the rams the rams did a they just drafted a bunch of like freak athletes jacob harris the wide receiver tight end out of ucf jake funk um chris evans is another really good athlete but again buried on the depth chart Kenny Wong, I, I, I pride myself on, on pronunciations, uh, um, and his is very difficult for me. So, Kenny, I am so sorry. Kenny Nwongwu uh, at Iowa State, absolute freak athlete. The problem is he's buried on the depth chart. He's kind of a replacement for Mike Boone in Minnesota, who was also a freak athlete. He went to Denver in the offseason, and I think Minnesota just prides uh, themselves on drafting these really good athletes who can play special teams. So he's interesting. Um, Jamar Jefferson's kind of the plotting uh, replacement for carry on Johnson in Detroit. So he's there at, in the uh, RB 70 range for me. Um, Larry Roundtree with, with the chargers is interesting because you know, Austin Eckler is not going to get 250 carries and who do they trust to get carries in that backfield? Just, uh, Justin Jackson is talented, but he's always injured. And last year, Joshua Kelly, the the rookie running back out of UCLA, had a miserable season. He averaged like three. He was one of the least efficient running backs in the entire NFL, if not the least. So I actually feel like Lowry Roundtree, who's a no-nonsense kind of runner, um, you know exactly what you're getting with Roundtree. Um, He's not big, but he's he's a grinding type of guy. I wonder with that new staff with the Chargers, if they're like, dude, we this Kelly, he was terrible last year. We've got to get somebody to fill that role. I wonder if Larry Roundtree is going to be the guy who actually ends up carving out a role here for the Chargers in that no-nonsense role. He's my RB66, so I'm, I'm not saying like, oh my God, he's he's going to come out here and he's going to get 175 carries and he's going to compliment Austin Eckler, but he's the guy I'd look at to say, you know what, he might have a shot to get on the field from day one. Last thing I wanted to ask you about, Joe, obviously today is NFL schedule release day. Pretty cool, by the way. Uh, DraftKings has the NFL schedule release free-to-play pool on either go to DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app. Always use the code Ross when you do that, by the way. But you don't, it's not, it's not a betting thing. It's free-to-play. $5,000 in total prize up for grabs. You just go ahead and you answer a couple questions about the NFL schedule release. I love stuff like that. Already over 25,000 entrants, by the way. We are a fantasy show, Joe. Mm-hmm. We're 30 minutes on-demand audio every week, keeping you up to date on what you need to know fantasy purposes. The next couple weeks, we'll get into the wide receivers. What, if anything, do we need to know or look at when it comes to the schedule? In other words, 
Will you change any of your rankings tomorrow, Joe, based on the schedule coming out, or is it totally irrelevant? It's it's close to irrelevant for me. I think the one thing that people are going to look at is fantasy playoff schedule. Like, what does that last month of the season look like? Um, is this a guy – like, for instance, Javante Williams – we just talked about, oh, he might be somebody who's going to help get you over the hurdle into the fantasy playoffs. If his second half of the season looks pretty good, then maybe you bump him up a little bit mentally. But the only thing I really use it for is looking at bye weeks for the for the little drafted players in best ball. Like quarterbacks, when you're only going to draft two or three. Tight ends, when you're only going to draft two or three. If, you have, if you're in best ball where you draft a team defense, where you're only going to draft two or three, that's really all I look at. Uh, bye weeks, to me, are a tiebreaker. Uh, they're not they're not something where I'm I'm actively using them to to make rankings. But for instance, if I have Matthew Stafford and Matt Ryan rated similarly, and my starting quarterback is Russell Wilson, and I want to take a second quarterback, and Russell Wilson has the same bye week as Matt Ryan, I'm probably going to take Matthew Stafford. That that's the way I use I use bye weeks. But with the schedule release, Ross, it's fun. I love looking at all the primetime matchups. But it, it to me, it's not something that is going to significantly adjust my rankings. Got it. Well, that was going to be my question. That's what I was curious about. Uh, look, at, listen. Here's the deal. Make sure you check out Joe on Twitter at FG underscore Dolan because he's the bomb. And go to fantasypoints.com where they've got all these guys, Graham Barfield, Scott Barrett, Greg Cosell, Adam Kaplan, John Hansen, Tom Brawley. I know I'm leaving out like 10. And put in the code 21FEAST. The next two weeks, we will dive into wide receiver rookie rankings because, frankly, there's that many of them. Other than that, I'm totally stuffed. We're done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. A lot of times on the show, I mention DraftKings. Here's what you need to know. You got to be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler or in Indiana, one 800 with it. By the way, if what I was talking about included a deposit bonus, doesn't always, sometimes it does. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough, and deposit bonuses are paid out in site credit.